Hey, good morning, and it is great to see you again. Can't tell you how much I miss you. Uh, and this morning, before we get into our message, I just want to pause. I, I know this, this last week has been the wrapping up of all kinds of, of school activities and all this kind of things going on, and, and uh, I want to do a shout out to teachers out there. Uh, I really think that uh, you guys deserve huge applause. There should be cheering going on for our teachers. I mean, uh, we should have another time of the day where horns are honking and pots are clanked uh, for, I think you're the unsung heroes uh, through this pandemic. Uh, teachers, you've had to pivot and do so much, and we're so grateful for you. Thank you for all you do for our kids. Homeschool moms and dads, you, you, you've been amazing, and so we're grateful for you too and cheering you on as you have had this situation that's almost been kind of like normal for you guys. Not really, but anyway, bless you all. We're, uh, we're singing your praises today. Well, this week I got a gift, a really cool gift. Somebody got me a mask. Uh, masks are kind of trendy to, to get these days. And I think I look a little bit scary with especially a black mask on. I was really tempted to wear it into the bank this week. But this one is pretty okay because it's got Dr. Bonnie Henry's face on it with the words, be kind, be calm, be safe. And, and somehow in recent months, we have been comforted by Dr. Bonnie's words. There, there's no question we, we needed to hear this kind of message in the season. These have been confusing days and stressful. And, and think about it. Actually, if we're honest, life before COVID-19 was stressful. Some have described this age that we live in as the age of anxiety, where our our default setting in life is kind of stressed out and, and worried and, and, and really pressed. And, and really, it's, it's, it's kind of ironic because it, here in, in, in this day in Canada, we have more stuff, uh, better health care, longer lives, higher standards of living, arguably better circumstances than most of history. And yet, yet it seems that anxiety is rampant and peace of mind is a rare commodity. And yet, we've been looking at this invitation of Jesus to thrive, to thrive in our faith, to, to thrive, uh, you know, in, in all of our lives. And, and we're finding as we unpack Paul's letter to the church in, in Philippi, thriving is possible and, and that there's a peace from God that's available to us. And, and, and folks, it's, it's helpful just to hear this word from Paul. He's He's writing this letter from prison, and he's facing possible execution. And it means that it's possible for us to find peace even when our circumstances in our lives are actually maybe even quite ugly. In the worst of situations, even in a pandemic, you really can have a peace, as in Paul's words, God's word, that passes all understanding. Listen to what he says about peace in, in Philippians 4. And we're going to uh, read this passage. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, Philippians 4, uh, beginning in the second verse. I plead with Judea, and I plead with Sintisha to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. May God bless the reading of his word. Paul talks about a peace that, that transcends all understanding, a peace that doesn't make sense, a peace not dependent on your life situation. But, but we tend to, to think, I think, of peace as coming from outside, a result of our pleasant circumstances. Paul talks about the source of, of real peace and how peace is actually a result of, of certain practices that the choices we make will either work for or against peace. Because peace is not simply an emotion or a feeling that overtakes you. It's something you work at. It's, it's the product of, of a life marked by specific things we can do that will either move us toward the, the God of peace or move us away from the God of peace. So from the passage, we're going to look at five practices that, that Paul describes that move us toward peace. They all begin with the letter R. Uh, you know, pastors love this kind of thing. But let's get into these. The first word is this. Reconcile. Reconcile conflicts and disagreements. Paul says, I plead with Judea and I plead with Sintiche to agree with each other in the Lord. Judea and, and Sintiche were, were friends of Paul. They were people he loved. They, they, they'd worked with him in, in Philippi. I mean, they loved God, but, but something had become between them. And Paul is here urging them to, to work it out, to reconcile things. I, I know when I was younger, I used to be really curious about what this argument could be. And, and now I've lost all that curiosity. The older I get, the less I care about those kind of details. You know, I, I just know, I, I've seen enough of the human condition that, to know that we can just about disagree about anything, right? I mean, we, we get all bent out of shape sometimes about the smallest of things. Just ask my wife, right? Uh, I know I do. And we, and we all know that that unreconciled conflict and, and disagreements work against the heart of peace that we're talking about. In Romans 12, Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, do anything in your power, uh, anything on your end you can possibly do to reconcile. So how do we do that? Well, it almost always begins with a conversation that we'd rather not have. You know, I mean, it's talking rather than avoiding. It's, it's confessing rather than blaming. It's, it's forgiving rather than harboring a bitterness towards someone. Now, we can never guarantee that another party will, will reconcile, but we should do everything that, that we possibly can do to, to move toward reconciliation. We even call this making peace. And, and so peace in relationships flows from practices of having 
hard conversations, confessing our wrongs, and, and extending forgiveness. And we, folks, when we actually refuse to do these things, we kind of lock out peace. We, we block it from our hearts. In, in order to have peace, we must be people who reconcile. So why don't we do that? Why don't we take a moment right now and, and actually consider this? Is there someone in your life that you're at odds with right now, that you're in conflict with? Or, or maybe there's an outstanding conflict that's been kind of hanging on for a while, a disagreement or a tension. Can I, can I join with Paul in pleading with you to reconcile, to work it out? Why don't you just in this moment, take a moment of quiet, you can close your eyes if you'd like to, but bring that relationship to Jesus. Ask him to help you to do what you can do to, to bring peace. He might give you a first step that you can take. For some of you, you might actually need to just pick up your phone and, and, and text an apology to someone. And if you need to, actually walk away from the sermon and, and, and make a phone call. This might be the time to do it. Let's just take a moment and pray. That's so good. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We are, we are blessed when we take the initiative to do the hard work of peacemaking. And some of you have been carrying around, honestly, a, this kind of burden with you, this relational baggage. I mean, it's, it's a, a broken relationship. It's been with you for a long time. And today could be the, the day where you start down the path of peace. You know, Jesus spoke so firmly on issues like forgiveness. And, and, and so I challenge you to, to take that seriously. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, the second R. Now, another way that we discover God's peace is by rejoicing. Paul's adamant on this one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The guy in prison on trial for his life tells us to rejoice in God all the time. And when you think about it, he's not just saying rejoice. Really, the governing power of that phrase is the last part. It's in the Lord. You know, it's, it's, it's not just some simple encouragement to be happy. It, it's a challenge towards faith, toward believing in the Lord and, and trusting in his goodness and his faithfulness in the face of anything. So what does this involve? Well, you want to have, have one of those days when, when anxiety or stress or sadness or guilt comes over you. I mean, sure, we can lament and we can be honest with God about our feelings. But also we make it a practice to think about the things God has given to you. Focusing not just on what you've lost, but also focusing on what you have. Focus on what you have in the Lord. What Paul is, is talking about here is intentional rejoicing in God, like a, like a discipline, choosing to thank God for, for who he is and, and what he's done. Um, you, you know, I've had a picture in my mind in recent weeks, and it's from a familiar story of Jesus. It's the one where, where the disciples are in a boat on the water, and it's stormy, and Jesus is not there, and Jesus comes and meets them walking on water. And Peter sees Jesus, 
and he actually asks to come out and, and Jesus invites him out of the boat and Peter, as he has his eyes fixed on Jesus, he's able to, to walk on water. It's an incredible moment. I love that. And of course, when he gets his eyes on the storm and the waves and the, the dark clouds, the, the thunder and, the, and all that's going on, he, he begins to sink. But I love the fact that for a few moments, he had his eyes on Jesus and he was able to do the impossible. And what struck me about this picture was just his face. You know, this, what, what did he look like? It wasn't just Peter looking at Jesus. It was Jesus looking at Peter. What was the look on his face like? There's something about Jesus when we look in his face. What do we see? I, I see unfailing love and mercy and compassion towards my weakness and my failings. I see his humility and, and, and his forgiving heart, willing to, to turn away from my offense, forgiving even my deepest flaws. You know what else I see? I see his confidence in me. I see him looking at me saying, you can do it. Keep your eyes on me. You can do this. You are made for this moment. I, I, I hear him cheering me on. I see that in his face. You know, even, even in our storms, if, if we can just kind of get our eyes off the storm for a bit, some of you just really need to do this and look into the face of Jesus. If we can see how good and strong and, and trustworthy he is and, and, and hearing his words, I've got this. Folks, that's rejoicing in the Lord and we can draw peace and strength which passes all understanding. I, I'm simply stunned by that level of peace and it flows from a decision to rejoice, to focus on the, the goodness and greatness of God. So let's take another moment. Maybe close your eyes again, but I'd love for you to imagine the face of Jesus looking at you right now in this moment. He's looking. What do you see? Take a long look at his face and then thank him for his goodness. In your own heart, you can rejoice in this moment. I'll give you a moment to do this. Rejoice in the Lord. Isn't that good? Wasn't that good? You'll never be disappointed when you look into his face. I love that, that old song I grew up on. Some of you know it well. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Well, the next thing that Paul urges us to do is to request. Paul writes, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
he starts by saying that the Lord is near. And there's two ideas built into this phrase. And it just kind of might help to think of a child going to bed in a dark bedroom. The child wants to know that his mom or dad are near. He or she wants to know they're nearby, that their room's close. But the child also wants to know that their parents are listening, you know, that they'll hear them if, if, they, if they call out in the night. When, when Paul says the, the Lord is near, he's saying God is close at hand and, and he's also listening for your call. In light of that, Paul says, turn your anxious thoughts into a prayer. Take them to your heavenly Father. Call out to him. Give him your fears, your anxieties, your anger, your, your guilt, your doubts, and, and your sadness. You know, I, I wonder if some of us don't do this because we think Christians really aren't supposed to have fears or worries or anger or guilt or, or doubts. So we're embarrassed to, to, to bring those things to God. And, and I, I think this misconception breaks God's heart and really robs us of a peace that, that could be ours. You see, you can't control that fear or anxiety or guilt that, that rises in our hearts. They, they, it comes unrequested, usually. You, you can't control when stress and anxiety and doubt comes, but you, you can choose to, to take them to, to God, and that, that's what he wants us to do. Now, just to be clear, God doesn't promise to answer every question or remove every struggle. You know, peace does not come from God fixing everything. God, Paul doesn't say, present your request to God, he'll fix everything, and then you'll have peace. No, peace comes from sharing your burdens, asking for help, and, and trusting in the goodness of God. The, the peace that God longs to give us transcends all understanding, and it comes even when our circumstances aren't fixed and are unchanged. So let me ask you, let's just take another moment. Two questions to consider. What are you anxious or fearful or doubtful about in your life right now? What's causing you stress? And then the second question is this. What is it that might keep you or might be keeping you from bringing that to Jesus, from, from laying that request out before God. Let's, let's do it right now. Just such a gift to be able to lay our burdens down to our Heavenly Father. He listens to our cries. Let's pray. Amen. Well, there's a fourth thing that Paul urges. It's to reflect. Choose carefully what you think about. Choose carefully what you reflect on. Paul writes, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's really straightforward counsel, isn't it? This is not complicated. Whatever's good, right, pure, etc. You know, think about that. Why? Because what we think about has a direct bearing on our peace of mind. 
Some thoughts lead to peace and others don't. Isn't it amazing how quickly our minds get drawn to like negative things? You know, I mean, just get on social media for a while and it'll do that. Uh, how, how negative news just seems to have the run. Or, or even when we look at ourselves funny for, for years, God's been kind of doing this work in me for a while now. But he's been shifting how I look at myself. I, I, I think as I've told you many times before, I, I've often looked at myself as a problem needing to be fixed. Or I've been able to see, first and foremost, kind of my flaws and my brokenness. And, and God's been shifting my thinking to look at what God is actually up to and how, how God is working to change me and, and, and heal me and make me whole and make me new. But the reality is we have to discipline ourselves to, to think about what is good and what's honorable. Paul talks elsewhere about taking our thoughts captive. It's a great image of abducting our thoughts and not letting them have free reign in our lives. Some of you will remember the, the excellent film, A Beautiful Mind. And uh, it, it, it's, it traces the life of, of genius mathematician and Nobel Prize winner, John Nash. And, and he's a man who's been tortured by, by paran, paranoid schizophrenia his whole life. But he comes to a place where that doesn't rule him anymore. And in 1994, Thomas King from the Nobel Committee comes and meets with Nash to assess his mental state and to see if he's up for being a, a Nobel laureate. And, and in their conversation in the film, Nash says to King, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I am crazy. And then kind of more soberly, I take the new medications, but I still see things that are not here. I just choose not to acknowledge them. Like a diet of the mind, I just choose not to indulge certain appetites. Isn't that good? It's so important to practice a, a diet of the mind, watching what we think about. You know, we deal with this at a personal time all the time. When we're, when we're wounded, we think revenge. When we feel anxious, we're thinking about all the things could go, that could go wrong in our lives. But Paul reminds us instead, focus on the good. Focus on the beautiful. You know, focus on, on forgiveness. Focus on the power and, and goodness of God. This, this is why the, the practice of reading Scripture is so good. Just having a habit of, of, of getting into God's heart and seeing firsthand His goodness and His grace, His purity, His humility, and His love. When we think more about our troubles than we think about God, well, then we're in trouble. In C.S. Lewis's book, The, the Screwtape Letters, great book, he pictures Satan writing to one of his assistants with advice for how to undermine Christians. And, and he emphasizes how, how important it is that the believer not pray and not even think about God. It, it, it's funny how, it, this is what he says. He says, it is funny how mortals always picture us putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done in keeping them out. We must choose to reflect on things that are good and honorable and pure. So I want to just take a moment again, one more time, and ask God to lead us in this. Maybe this morning it would just be great for you to ask God to cleanse your mind, to renew your mind, transform your mind, and to help us choose a diet of the mind that is healthy and right. 
And then I want to ask you, is there something, some kind of specific thing God is asking you around this? You know, maybe a, a practice to start or a practice to stop. Just give, give a few moments to, to reflect. Well, in Paul's words, I find one final practice that leads to peace. The last R is respond. And Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You know, peace of mind also comes from taking God's commands seriously. He's, God is the God of peace. Jesus came, he was the Prince of Peace. And it's on God's heart that, that we have peace the, the Bible word for peace is, is shalom. And God wants us to have this shalom, this life that's marked by wholeness and peace. It, and it's why he gives us instructions and, and, and boundaries, a way to live. And they're not meant to be a killjoy. They're, they're designed to, to lead us into peace. So when we find ourselves deliberately ignoring God's instructions, we actually move away from peace. And then when we obey God's instructions, when we respond, we turn towards peace. Rejecting God distances you, you from him and from his peace. You know, sometimes I've had people visit me and, and I've had someone come to me and say, I've lost my joy and I've lost my peace and I want it back. And I've kind of asked the question, where did you lose it? You know, where, where did it go? And sometimes it comes up that this person has lost their peace when they kind of broke some boundary that, that God had laid out for them and, and laid out for all people. They, they clearly had stepped off God's path doing something that they knew was wrong. And, and it's not that God punishes us for ignoring him by, by taking away peace. A lack of peace is a direct result of ignoring him. In order to find a peace of mind, we need to respond to God's shalom-giving instructions. And when we do step off the path and we repent and confess, we can do that quickly, by the way, because Jesus is quick to forgive and quick to heal. And so why don't we take one more moment? Just listen to Jesus. We can't hide from him. He knows our hearts. He knows where we've strayed or drifted. Is there something right now that, that God is putting his finger on. Right, right now, the Holy Spirit is kind of nudging you in something that you've done or haven't done. Something for you to own up and, and confess to him. And, and then if, if it's the, the right thing, make it right. Let's let the Spirit of God speak to us just for a few more moments. I love the, the verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is quick to forgive and to bring peace again.
In this passage, Paul offers five paths to peace. We reconcile, we rejoice, we request, we reflect, and we respond. In doing so, we find the peace that passes all understanding. Let me conclude by, by rereading part of this passage. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Why don't we pray? Lord, we ask for that this morning. God, we bring to you our worries, our fears, our guilt, our anxiety to you right now. Lord, would you replace those with your peace, the peace that does not make sense in light of the circumstances. Father, we believe that this is available through your Son. And I now ask that you would guard our hearts and minds in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So glad you've joined us this morning. It's been good to be kind of with you. And we continue to look forward to the day when we'll be together again. Uh, again, remind you, we have a Zoom call happening right after the service. And you can join in with that and, and connect with some other Hillsiders in a fun and casual way. And that's happening like right now. And uh, also want to remind you to reach out if you've got any need uh, or if we can pray for you, please. You can do that through prayer requests online or, or through our Connect card even as well. We'd love to stay connected. Uh, let me give you this uh, final benediction. Again, great words from Scripture. Now may grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.